Big Red Bench. Saturday and Sunday from 6 p.m. Cork's Red FM. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Delighted you could join us for the Big Red Bench. Roy here with you until 7 o'clock tonight. And boy, do we have a packed show for you this evening. Coming up tonight, we have reaction from Castlehaven, Nemo Rangers, Ballancolic, Nusistan, and O'Donovan Rossa following their victories today. We're also going to speak to Clonakilty after they were crowned the Cork Ladies Intermediate Champions yesterday. Also on the show this evening, going to talk to Cork City boss Neil Fenn after their one-all draw with Shelburne last night. We're going to talk to author Ona Callaghan on his new book on Roy Keane's early years. And we're going to talk to the Formoy man who signed for one of the biggest fighting promotions in the world. That is Sean Clancy as he prepares for his one championship debut this coming Friday night. You're listening to The Big Red Bench on Cork's Red FM. Delighted you could join us on the show. A lot to get through over the next hour. And if you would like to get in touch with us, text us 86 It was a really busy day today in Gaelic Games. The Premier Senior Football Championship, the results. Nemo Rangers 115, Douglas 110, Valley Rovers 12 points, Bishopstown 18, Ballancolic 28, Carrigaline 11 points, Sinfin Bars 117, Clannacilty 113, Newcastle 212, Cabri Rangers 29, and Castlehaven 419, Ellen Rovers 24. So that means the quarter-final lineup is Nemo Rangers versus Ballancolic, St. Finbars versus Newcastle, Valley Rovers versus Duhallow, Castlehaven by virtue of their greater scoring difference over Nemo Rangers. They went to the semi-final. They'll face the winners of the Bars and Town. So that means the winners of Nemo Rangers and Ballancolic will face the winners of Valley Rovers and Duhallow in the second semi-final. In the Senior A Football Championship results, it finished with Donovan Rosso 3.13, St. Michael's 3.12, Ballingear 1.15, St. Nick's 1.13, Mallet 2.11, Bantry Blues 1.10, Aero Oak 2.13, Kishkame 1.10, Fromoy 2.13, Bandon 2.11, and Donny's 1.8, Clyder Rovers 11 points, draw match there. So the quarterfinal lineup is Mallow versus Bandon, St. Michael's versus Aero Oak, and in the semi finals, Donovan Ross will face the winners of Mallow and Bandon, and Fromoy facing the winners of St. Michael's versus Aero Oak. In the Senior Camogie Championship, Aero Oak are taking on Douglas today. That game underway since uh, 5 o'clock in uh, Castle Road this evening. And the latest score from there is Aero Oak uh, 2 7, uh, Douglas uh, leading uh, 4 11 to 2 7. So a 10 point lead there for Douglas. That's the latest score there from uh, Castle Road in the second half water break. Uh, the was supposed to be another uh, quarter final as well today. Glen Rovers and Innes Car- was supposed to be at one o'clock but that was postponed that's because a playing member of Inescara complained of feeling unwell yesterday they've been sent for a Covid test so the club uh, made the decision to cancel all activities pending the result of the test uh, in conjunction with Cork Camogie uh, so it remains to be seen when that quarter final will take place in football, second half just underway at the Aviva Stadium, Ireland taking on Finland. Scoreless there heading into the second half. Uh, new midfield three of Harry Archer, Jason Lumby and Robbie Brady um, taking to the field today. And Cork's Adamila leading the line for the boys in green. But no goals there as of yet. And as I say, the second half has just kicked off elsewhere in that Nations League uh, group that Ireland are in Wales people, Bulgaria. One in Ellen Echo Williams with the goal for Ryan Giggs' side. Uh, this evening uh, in the Nations League, Spain versus Ukraine, Switzerland versus Germany, the pick of this evening's ties. In golf, Nori McElroy, five shots off the pace going into the final day of the Tour Championship. He carried a disappointing 71 to finish eight under par last night. 
He tees off this evening at uh, 20 past 7. Dustin Johnson has a one-stroke lead on 13 under par. In tennis, into the last 16 at the US Open today, 2018 women's champion Naomi Osaka will be lo- looking to book a quarterfinal place today. She meets the 14th seed Annette Contavit in her fourth round match. Elsewhere, men's top seed Novak Djokovic takes on Spain's Pablo Carrena Busta, a man he's beaten in all three of their previous meetings. In motorsports, an eventful Italian Grand Prix to say the least earlier on today. Lewis Hamilton missing the chance to make it six wins from the opening eight, eight races. He was penalised for a pit stop error. He had to settle for seventh at Monza today. French driver Pierre Gasly won in Monza, but Clarence Carlos signs second and Lance Stroll in third. The race had to be stopped after Charles Leclerc crashed out in his Ferrari just before at the end of the last lap so certainly very very eventful scenes uh, today in Monza alright we are going to uh, start with uh, Gaelic games today we're going to start with Castlehaven going to hear from their boss James McCarthy as he spoke to Jer McCarthy after their win over in the Rovers today 4-19-2-4 that sees them into the semi-finals we never aimed our aim we never spoke about this during the week or, or leading up to it we, we, our first aim was to win the game and if that put us into a position to, to get a score we were going to go for it and we went for it it left us exposed a bit at the back and we conceded a couple of goals there which we, we normally wouldn't but the attitude of the boys we were very professional and, and, and came here very professional today um, you had a couple of extra goal chances there again which you might have grabbed like it looked like they were, you were snatching at it when the game was already won but you still managed to tack on a, a very impressive sc- final score yeah, wherever this takes us, like we're dead happy, like you know, with the virus and everything, you know, and the lockdown there, they were, and all, and for the, you know, for the, I talk about my own parish all the time, but for for sport in general, it's just to be out playing, like, and the bonus, then if you're winning, it's it, it just lifts everyone. Yeah, your subs also made an impact, and that's good for you from your squad's point of view. pushing others lads for places now. Yeah, and, and it was a day where you can blood pillars again, and 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 there's more off the bench again that we we we, we would have liked to have seen today, but the circumstances didn't. But um, yeah, there's competition there for places. We're in a quarterfinal or, or semi-final. We don't know at the moment, but we're very happy. Yeah, that's uh, Castlehaven boss James McCarthy. They are into the semi-finals after that four nineteen two four win today over Ilan Rovers. So that is them into the semi-final, uh, where they will face the winners of the Bars and Nuces. Town the team they pipped in Emo Rangers, making it three wins from three after one fifteen to one ten win over Douglas this afternoon at uh, Porky Cueve. I was there for that one. A strange, strange atmosphere being in such a massive stadium with literally nobody there uh, bar players, officials and uh, media. Um, so it was a strange experience but uh, as I say and uh, as I have been saying very privileged to be in a position that I'm able to attend games uh, considering the current circumstances as regards COVID so delighted to be in Parky Cueve today and afterwards I along with uh, the rest of the media got the reaction of Nima Boss Paula Donovan First off uh, thoughts on the performance? Uh, I thought we played well um, we missed a couple of scoring chances there a couple of goals which would have been the icing on the cake but um, uh, other than that I think we won by five in the end was it? Yeah, yeah so that was the lead at half time as well they were dogged and they were um, at times there I thought we couldn't get a free we couldn't buy one but sure look that's the way it goes and you take the good with the bad and mm. you get on with it we're, in, we're into the next round that's where we wanted to be and um, but I think we're out next weekend I'm not 100% sure but we'll just get on with it Overall what are the positives in the three games? 
positives from the three games. I think we're playing consistently for the hour, which is what we're looking for all the time. We're getting on top of um, keeping the ball better and things like that and being a bit more patient. So that's the things that we work on all the time. And I think we showed signs of it there. At times there, they had 13 behind the ball, which we're perfectly entitled to do. And it's, that's difficult to break down then in itself. But look, we scored 115 against the pack defence there. So I'm reasonably happy with that. Kaslaven, uh, their score difference was four superior to years, I suppose. And you think you can see the goal late on. Is there, yeah. is there a tinge of disappointment that you didn't take that? the top spot like in some regards yeah if you got straight to the semi-final you weren't playing for three weeks or whatever it is you could do a lot of work then in the training field as it is you get the benefits now of playing a quarter final so there's, there's pros and cons we just we are where we are and we just have to get on with it there's no point in having regrets our goal at the start of this was to come out of our group we've achieved that so I'm happy with that Ron Dalton he was a busy man this weekend he was he was um, we kind of held him back a bit yesterday in fairness to the intermediate stage and start him uh, they needed him in the second half bottom man he was the difference and I thought today you know, for his first start in senior football he was excellent had he been carrying a knock did he search yesterday's game or? no we asked him we asked him to hold on to him and uh, in fairness to the intermediate slip they held him off that was your first time back playing Park you think since the county final was it against the Bears in 2017 yeah, that's yeah. right so it's great to get a game down here because it looks like the concluding stages of the championship could be down here so it's, it's great to get a game and it's a fantastic pitch fantastic surface uh, it's a bit eerie at times when you hear the echoes of the shouts and what have you and uh, there's, there's no secrets <laughs> but sure that's the way it goes yeah it's Paul Donovan Nemo Rangers boss there uh, happy enough uh, with his uh, side's performances so far obviously disappointed not to get into uh, the semi-final after uh, being pipped by Castlehaven today after Castlehaven's uh, big big win today but uh, it is uh, Nemo Rangers into the quarterfinals of the competition now uh, where they will face Balancholic. Alright we are going to talk uh, to Balancholic now actually because they held on to secure a 3 point victory over Carrigline and Parky win today 2-8 to 11 points, a win which secures their quarterfinal place. The winners created a cushion for themselves in the first half, there are Dorg and Evan Cook both raising green flags, the latter of which the highlight of the first half. The second half took on a bit of a sloppy and a slow start, neither side hitting formal though Carragher line up their intensity in the final quarter testing Balancholic's defence but ultimately fell short by three afterwards Lauren Gilfoyle spoke to Balancholic boss Podsy Amani Podsy I suppose coming into today's game given the group standings you knew exactly what you had to do and you did do just that maybe not the way you would have wanted exactly Lauren yeah we knew a one point victory was going to get us through um, yeah so I suppose we're delighted to be true but um Obviously enough, you, you saw it yourself, you, you couldn't be happy with a performance like that really. Um, yeah, it was very below, below par for Balancholic really. Is there any particular element of your performance today that really stuck out for you in a negative sense, I suppose? Our work rate really, I suppose, wasn't, wasn't up to scratch really. And I, I don't know why we mentally tuned up for it, I suppose. You know, it was a pure David and Goliath clash. like, and uh, It's not to be underestimated, the Carragher line really. It's just it was mentally, was, I suppose, fellas found it hard to get tuned up for this. And I think you're six or seven weeks in the trot between the, the Premier and Intermediate hurlers who are playing in the quarter next week and, and, and football so it's tough it's tough to get up mentally you know a high performance in every, every weekend or week in week out but um, yeah so I suppose the second half uh, slow to get going I think it was about 40 minutes uh, in that you got your first score um, it was a sloppy enough I suppose second half but when the intensity did build it came from the Carrigal line uh, side of the pitch I suppose. Yeah, the longer she look, we knew the longer Carrigaline were in the game, the harder it was going to become. Like, do you know what I mean? They put up, a, they put up a great fight. They're a lovely team. They're good. They're fast. They're tough. They're athletic, and we know all that coming into it. Um, we just didn't show up today, Lauren. That's the reality. Look, we're lucky to get out of it. Um, the first half performance not too bad. Two decently taken goals, I suppose, midway through. One of those, I suppose, would have gained a decent reaction from a crowd had there been one here. So I suppose that's a pity 
in one sense. Yeah, lucky enough, but I suppose it was, to, it was a 2 8 to 10 points. I think at one stage we were maybe, maybe 55 minutes gone or 56 minutes gone. That was as 10 scores v 10 scores, you know what I mean? So that'll tell you. We were just lucky to get the two goals at the time. They were good goals, you know what I mean? I suppose the second one was fortuitous enough. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, sure, look, look, we're just delighted to be still involved in the competition. But look, we know um, we were really, really poor today. You picked up an injury there uh, towards maybe the, the third quarter of the game. Is that looking somewhat, I suppose, difficult to call now ahead of the quarterfinal in two weeks' time? Or how are you on the injury I'm, front? We're not too sure, Lauren. We came into the game minus three already. Do you know what I mean? Uh, Luke Fahey was out. Kieran O'Sullivan was out. That's J- JP Murphy now. Looks like he could be out again. Um, so look, we'll have to assess it really and, and look at look at revisit tomorrow and, and get guys into. I suppose into the, the physios and, and see, see what way things can be for the next few weeks really and I suppose this uh, split season you, you, you mentioned the dual aspect of it it's not giving you a chance if there are small niggles to actually get them right for the next round considering there is such a heavy workload yeah look it is we're a dual club uh, football and hurling a huge tradition in both we take huge pride in both codes it's obvious look we'd be f- you'd be feeling that you'd be sour grapes that you're playing against the likes of the Nemo's the Castle Havens the Clan Kilties who don't you know concentrate on hurling we're here because we want to be here mm-hmm. and that is the reality of it like do you know what I mean some of our guys there's 9, 10, 11 fellas and they love both hurling and football so you know it's, it's good for them to be involved as well it's tough it's a tough gig for everybody involved mm-hmm. do you know uh, a week turnaround is very tough Heading in out to the quarterfinal stage from I suppose, a sports psychology perspective, coming off a victory or a poor a victory through a poor performance, it's kind of going to give you somewhat of a of content to kind of hit the guys with next week at training and provide some, I suppose, rationale for the hard training ahead. Yeah, well, unfortunately, there's no time for training because there'll be a hurling next week and then there'll be recovery. So we don't, we, we've no time for, for training. It's such like it's kind of minding fellas and looking after fellas. Look, I, the players themselves are, are around long enough. They know that they underperform today and I don't need to be coming here because they're a great bunch of guys. You know what I mean? They really, really have worked hard all year. Just because we underperform today, it doesn't mean we'll underperform the next day. Do you know what I mean? We know the areas we need to work on and, and we'll do that for the next few weeks really as best we can. Yeah, it's uh, Balling Colleagues, Paddy O'Mahony there speaking to Lauren Guilfoyle after uh, today's win over Carrigline 2-8 to 11 points that sets up a quarter-final meeting with Nemo Rangers. 56 minutes gone at the Aviva Stadium. Ireland nil, Finland nil is how it stands in this uh, Nations League clash of half nine at here. Not a huge pile to report uh, as Ireland uh, try and find uh, an opening goal but we can be posted on that one. 56 minutes on the clock there now Noose is down into the quarterfinals for the second year in a row after they defeated West Cork rivals Carberry Rangers 2-12 to 2-9 in Ballinascarthy today Ty Toomey's early goal gave Noose a boost and they led 1-5 to 2 points at one stage but Carberry Rangers came back well and led at half time 1-6 to 1-5 after Brian Shanahan netted for them however Noose's town began the second half well to go back in front and Jack Mead's goal put them 2-11 to 1-6 in front Carberry Rangers did have a late goal from Mark Hodnett but Noose town had done enough Dennis Hurley spoke to their manager Tom Wilson he came here with a job to do and he did it we did uh, we, we, we were very good at times uh, we started both halves in a, in a blaze of you know getting scores and driving on and getting well ahead and whatever and the last 10 minutes of the first half and the last 5 minutes of the second half they, they, they took over and yeah. whatever no having said that uh, I think uh, we were up to a living there to one yeah, stage the second goal it was kind of yeah. it was kind of decided like it was a real turning point like they it, hit the bar and it, they could have been known to it looked two. that way and it, at that stage I suppose it was a matter of how much time was the referee going to play yeah. that kind of thing now six or seven minutes we thought was a bit <laughs> when you're ahead you're yeah, yeah, yeah. That, 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 that that's a bit longer to you know that's the way it is yeah and, and like having 
having fallen behind just before half time there was a, good, a very good response um, in the third quarter absolutely just things starting into the second half and whatever and tacked over the scores no we think we should have had two goals early in the second half. Yeah. You know that uh, Jack Mead had one. Did, did yeah. Put outside one post and the other bookie put yeah, one outside yeah. the other post and you know. But they, like these things happen. We were dominant. Yeah. Um, the main thing is you're creating those chances absol- anyway. Like absolutely. But uh, the next day we mightn't get away with, with with not putting them away. Yeah. Um. But it, it was great defence at the other end. And as you could see like Ross were they, they weren't able to kind of do the damage they wanted to do. Like they, there was a lot of pressure on them taking shots. Uh, absolutely, uh, yeah. We would like. I mean, we worked very well. Um, shall we say close into around, around the D? Yeah. Um, we, we wouldn't let him take shots from there. And I suppose in in the end, they ended up lobbing a few balls. You yeah. know, whatever. Just uh, you know, fifty fifties. Yeah. No, they ended up, I suppose, getting a goal from one of those kind of things. But um, in general, I think we 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 we, we did quite well. And. Uh, the, the 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 wheel keeps on turning. I suppose now, like the the hurling quarterfinal next week, and then I presume you'll be playing the bars the following week. So just a case of keeping on doing what you're doing. It's, it, it it looks that way that uh, we would be, um, you know, once both teams are winging away and all yeah. whatever, and once the spirits are up and whatever, and once fellas recover properly and um, that kind of thing. That's you know, um, I'm sure now that uh, the hurlers will be delighted that we won today so that, you know, fellas are going up with a bit of pep in this day yeah. and Tuesday night and that's what we want. That's okay. Tom Wilson there of Town after the defeat of Carberry Rangers today, 2-12 to 2-9 was how it finished in Ballon Nascarty and uh, they will now go and face St. Finbars in that quarterfinal in two weeks' time. Still scores between Ireland and Finland, a change for Ireland as uh, Callum Robinson replaces Callum O'Dowd, it looked like he picked up a knock, uh, so the that's the, the only thing to report on there and uh, not much else so far in that uh, in that game alright going to turn our attentions to uh, the Senior A uh, Football Championship and uh, going to hear from uh, Martin uh, Bohan of Donovan Ross they defeated St Michael's 3.13 to uh, 3.12 today so that's them into the semi-finals they face the winners of Mallow and Banton but uh, Martin has been in conversation with Oshin Langan Martin Bohan manager of Donovan Ross we watched it on the Irish Examiner stream today and I think it's fair to say it was a game of two halves. You were six points down going into the second half. Yeah, I suppose Michael started off in a great intensity, looked to something what we wanted to do ourselves, but to be fair to them, they just they started at a pace that we just couldn't handle in the first half. And uh, look, we did look, we had to regroup and thankfully we brought that to the second half, did that intensity and it just got us it got us over the line. How did you reach those levels in the second half? <coughs> I suppose we knew it ourselves that that we weren't playing well and if, if you don't try to get into the intensity of the game so in fairness to the players you know they had their own chat before we spoke to them and they knew that what was at stake here and you have to hand it to a bunch of players they put in a massive effort in the second half and to men subs and all that like they just it's their effort and you know football took over then after that once we got the intensity up to get a win like this what does that do for a team to be so far behind and to see it out in the end to win by one point with a clutch score and injury time does that give you something more than we'll say a, a standard win yeah look winning a tight game is, is, is a hard thing to do um, I suppose we have a very young side generally so you know it's 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 a challenge for them and uh, we're just look we have two two 
tight enough games won now against Belangaria and uh, and Michael's here today so it does it gives you you're used to it like you know we're going to be challenges ahead so look we look forward to every challenge that comes like you know and you go direct to a semi-final how much of an advantage is that? it is for look I suppose the, <laughs> the big thing is injuries and all that like you know so you just have your extra few weeks to just get the bodies right again like you know so it is it is, it is an advantage there's no doubt about that in my, in my mind yeah look all of your guys did well today but <clears throat> Donal Oghodnett is injury free and he looks great out there Kevin Davis came off the bench I know he wasn't a player you wanted to risk from the start had you absolutely definitely needed to win this game had it been a county final you might have started him and uh, who else is there David Shannon as well showed his inter-county quality he's played a bit with Wexford with that blazing goal when you've got guys like that hopping off the ground how much does that give everyone else? Uh, definitely but look you have to kind of win the battles out the field harder like you know and once you win the battles out the field they're a super bunch of forwards Tom Sagerty included Dylan Howard you know so we have a lot of good forwards like you know so if you can get them good supply they will they, they will challenge any backline in the county and this is a club that has great history former All-Ireland champions how much do you want how much do you need to get back into the top tier of Cork football looked as our goal from the start of the year but I suppose realistically we're just taking one game at a time um, we've, we've reached one goal is, is to top our group so the next one always we'll just focus on the semi-final nothing else do you know so that's Martin Bohan there of, uh, of Donovan Ross uh, after their win today 313 to 312 against St. Michael's Ireland have just conceded against Finland uh, 63 minutes on the clock in that Nations League uh, group uh, League B group 4 game it is uh, uh, Ireland nil. Finland won and uh, it is uh, Frederick uh, Fredrickson has uh, scored uh, for Finland to put them uh, a goal up uh, Frederick Jensen excuse me has put them a goal up and a uh, soft goal to concede uh, from Ireland's point of view the ball just played across the edge of the box and he slots in uh, ahead of Duffy and uh, Randolph couldn't do much about it so it's Ireland nil Finland one is how it stands at the moment I'm going to talk ladies football Clonic Hilty defeating Glanmire yesterday to be crowned the 2020 Cork LGFA Intermediate County Champions that was in Kilmichael yesterday Jer McCarthy there for us and spoke to Clans Kira Ryan Kira Ryan, congratulations. Clannock Hilty, big victory today. Intermediate County Champions. How does that sound? Oh, it's, it's, I don't even know what to say. I am speechless. This is literally a dream come true for us. I've never won a county final in my all the years in playing. And to win with this group of girls, oh, it's just a dream come true for us, as you can hear from us a while ago. <laughs> How tough for the opposition? Oh, they are so tough. Um, this is the toughest game we've ever played, I'd say, in the last few years. They never gave up to the whistle, neither did we. Unfortunately, we had two Simbins, including myself, and I was on the sideline tearing my hair out. But I was such encouraged the girls, and they just played their hearts out for the last six minutes that I was off. And I just couldn't be prouder of every single girl on the team and the panel today. Fantastic achievement for Clan now to go up senior football. Looking yeah. for, I know you haven't had time to think about it, but when you consider where you came from, you lost to Glenmore in the opening round, then Eric Glenn Desmond's boy, and he, he kept going, got over us, and now today it's been a real progression. Yes, absolutely. Um, we were senior a few years ago when I was about under 15, under 16. We played Morn Abbey in a county semi final and we lost, and it kind of, kind of went downhill again from there, so we went down to intermediate just to get ourselves going again. And we, 
our aim is always to get back up to the senior level and today to get back up there is just it's the icing on the cake for us all like I'm just so delighted for Claire and Anya and Sinead and all them to finally get back up to senior where we were a few years ago so we're all just delighted today It's been a crazy year with Covid and everything's fragmented but this is a lovely boost for Clan Ladies Football Absolutely this is great for even the younger girls seeing us winning today um, it's a great boost for the club to get up to senior level like the top in the county and we're going to give it a right go now for next year that's Kira Ryan there of Clannacilty speaking to uh, Jerome McCarthy uh, after they were crowned intermediate champions yesterday in Kilmichael as they defeated uh, Glanmire. Uh, change for Ireland at the uh, Viva Stadium. Adam Ida has gone off. He's uh, been replaced uh, by Dave McGoldrick. So uh, 66 minutes now on the clock there at the Aviva. Going to hear more from Clannacilty. I'm going to hear from Orla DC. DC, two goals in a county final to help Clannacilty win an intermediate championship. How does that feel? I mean, to be honest, I'm on top of the world right now. Uh, oh, I can't, I can't even describe the feeling. It's so good. Um, but to be honest, I can't. It's just down to the girls. Without them, I wouldn't have had them. And just, oh, I have to thank them for the goals. In the semi-final you converted a penalty against Ross Carberry under pressure and you did the same today but you went the other way was that in your mind or were you just make, did you make up your mind when you went up to take the kick? I always planned to go down right side but then I saw the keeper kind of nudging to that side so I was like you know what I'll try and play to the left don't think she's going to get there in time and it worked out This group have been together quite a long time there's a lot of young players that have joined the panel this year but the core of the team has been together for many years what will it be like and how, how exciting is it to go up senior? I mean <laughs> I was chuffed to be able to make the intermediate team and then now we're going up to senior. The competition is way tougher. Like for us young girls, it's gonna be it's gonna be really intimidating, but I think we can I think we'll be able to pull through and play our best. How good were Glenmore today? They just never let you uh... Oh, they were even better than the last time we played them. It was it was fifty fifty just but it was just whoever pulled through the last we fought. I think we fought it just a little bit harder, but credit to them, they were a top team. And looking forward to next year? Oh yeah, definitely. Hopefully now. All right, still to come on the big red bench, we are going to hear from Cork City boss Neil Femme. We're going to talk to from my Sean Clancy about his one championship debut this coming Friday. And we're going to talk to author Ola Callaghan about his book and the early days of Roy Keane called Keane Origins. It's all to come between now and seven o'clock on the big red bench. Miss the show? Grab the Big Red Bench podcast at redfm.ie. The Big Red Bench. Glad you could join us on the Big Red Bench. 70 minutes gone at the Viva Stadium. Ireland nil, Finland won. Callum Robinson uh, forcing a save from the Finland keeper there in that Nations League. And the closest Ireland have come in the game, but uh, 70 minutes gone and uh, a bit of work for Ireland to do here at the Aviva Stadium. Cork City drawing with Shelburne last night. One each was how it finished. Uh, up in Tolka Park it was Deshaun Darling uh, with uh, Ireland or Cork City's goal Ireland's goal Ireland in the brain this evening with Cork City's goal as uh, his cross uh, kind of seemed to evade the Shelburne keeper uh, and float into the net so that's Cork City off the bottom of the table although they have played a game more than Finn Harps City off three points uh, away from safety at the moment and uh, games uh, rapidly running out so City with a lot of work to do if they are to avoid relegation uh, this uh, coming season but uh, Cullum has gotten the reaction of City boss Neil Fenn Alright Cork City manager Neil Fenn joins us now after the one-all draw in Talca Park last night against Shelburne um, Neil it was a, a tough game for you uh, went 1-0 down earlier on but you battled hard and got back into the game through probably quite a lucky goal I suppose Yeah well it was, it was definitely a lucky goal but um 
yeah, you know, it was a, it's, after conceding so early, it was it was good character from the boys that they came back and fought back and, and, and got a result in the end. Um, so we're delighted with that. Definitely a bit of luck was needed because you've been unlucky a few times this season. So, I mean, you'll take a bit of luck when it comes your way, obviously. Yeah, obviously, you know, we, it comes, they say it evens itself out over the season. So we're delighted that um, that we got that little bit of luck. And, um, you know, we, we think we deserved it probably a little bit in the second half. We, we, we went out and we were 1-0 down, obviously, and we thought we had to we had to go for it, put an extra striker on. So hopefully that we got rewarded from that from, by, by being a little bit brave and, and going for two strikers. It's something that was kind of evident in both the Rovers game on Monday and again last night, I suppose, against Shelburne. The first half performance wasn't great, but you come out and you are almost like a different team in the second half. Is there some magic in the halftime team talk or what's the story? No, no, I think that, um, I think that, you know, you, you, you got this in a way game, it's going to be tough and you can't legislate for going down, you can't, can't legislate for, for going one goal behind so early, you know. So once that, once you, you deal with that and then they play with a, a low block and they sit in, your kind of game plan that you've worked on all week has gone out the window because you're down, you're one 0 down, and, and they're playing differently to how they would have played. So, you know, you come in at half time, you have to rethink it. You have to uh, ask yourself some questions: Is it working? Who's not, who's not affecting the game? Who's who could be maybe affect the game a little bit better? So you make changes. So, certainly, um, no magic wand or anything. It was just that you know the way the game pans out that sometimes you need to make bold decisions at half time, and it's a good time to do it. It's a valuable point, and it could be a point that's very, very valuable at the end of the season, Neil. But do you think maybe do you think you were hoping maybe to get three points there last night with a couple of tough games coming up, or the way it panned out? Are you happy with the point? No, we're hoping we get three points every game. But no, I think that we've, we've set ourselves a target for the rest of the season—a realistic target, we think anyway. And um, we're it's one point closer to that, so we'll take it as a good point. Um, we, we've stopped them getting further away from us they'll have difficult games as well so it'll, uh, it's, it's a point on the board and uh, any away point like I said before in this league is, is a good point for us and we mentioned over the last couple of weeks there's a lot of teams down in a, in a similar kind of grouping towards that end of the table I mean St. Pat's have been dragged into it over the weekend now as well Shelburne are there thereabouts obviously Finn Harps are a point behind G with the game against Sligo to come tonight so you'll have a, a close eye on that game tonight as well won't you? Yeah, we you know the, the, we said it before. It's so tight, and one win or Derry are down there as well. So one win um, can, can put you back up the league. So you have to keep in touch, and you have to you have to keep momentum going. So you know that will, if we would have lost yesterday, you know it's and then going into Shamrock Rovers and Dundalk, it's it's a tough um, ask for the players. But the fact that we got a point and we showed good character in the second half gives us confidence now of going into the next two and, and picking up results against those two things. You've had a few away games now, Neil. I'm sure you'll be hoping and, and looking forward to getting back to Turner's Cross for the next two games, two home games in a row. Two tough home games where you won't be expected to pick up many points. Does that take a bit of pressure off that there's not a huge expectation? I mean, people probably expect you maybe to get something against the likes of Shelburne and so on. But against Shamrock Rovers and Dundalk, anything is a bonus? Um, I, think, I think we're under pressure. We're, bottom of the, we're second from the bottom of the league. So we're under pressure to pick up points We've under our own under our own demands you know so the fact that what other people expect us to do is irrelevant really what what we expect to do is to pick up as many points as we can because we need them so what other people think what, what people might look at it and think that you know they're not going to pick up anything there's, it's quite irrelevant it's, it's how many points we need to, to stay up that, that we're worried about Great stuff Neil listen thanks for chatting to us as always and we'll chat to you during the week alright 
Brilliant Cheers, mate. Yes, Cork's Neil Fenn there after last night's one-all draw with Shelburne. Still, um, Ireland trailing for them by a goal to nil at the Aviva Stadium. Going to talk Muay Thai now, and a Cork man has signed for one of the biggest fighting promotions in the world, and he makes his debut this week. Sean Clancy from Muay is signed with one championship. He headlines in his first bout as well, facing Pong Suri on Friday. I spoke to the Sign Warriors fighter in Thailand yesterday morning when he was in the middle of a cuppa. I'm not too bad, lad. Just uh, sitting down to a cup of Barry's tea, so <laughs> refueling is under demand at the moment. Is Barry's a vital part of your uh, fight diet, or? Uh, yeah, little things from home keep me going. To be honest, <laughs> <laughs> come here. Tell us, um, like for anyone listening now who's um, not aware of your career, tell us how does a, a boy from Fmoy end up fighting in Thailand for his career and signing for one championship? Um, geez, to try and make a, a long story short, basically, uh, I started fighting late in life, 21. Everyone would have said I was too old, too too late. But I never looked at it anything further than just what it was. I just wanted to challenge myself, and yeah, I, I progressed from there. And once uh, I became champion of Ireland, I said, all right, I got to... If you're going to anything in life, doesn't matter what profession you do, if you want to improve, you got to step outside your comfort zone. So that's what I did. I went off to Thailand and uh, just the rest was history. Changed from there. First, it started off uh, like three month kind of training camps. I'd go over and back, over and back until uh, finally day one or the day just came upon me where the the camp decided to, to see in my uh, my work ethic and my my dedication, and uh, they offered me a sponsorship. So um, that's how that happened. Then I, I was uh, I was left with a decision. All right, I can really push something here. So yeah, I made the, the move to, to follow the sponsorship, and the rest is history. Is it quite unusual for a Western like yourself to kind of carve out a career in Thailand like this? Um. Farmers come here all the time. Uh, uh, there's many people in the fight industry. It doesn't matter what the uh, fight industry. There's many UFC fighters actually even come to my training camp. We've had a few. Uh, we've had Alistair, the famous everywhere and everything. So uh, everyone wants to improve their their striking skills, their their stand up fighting. What better place than Muay Thai? It's just nothing but stand-up fighting. Exactly, yeah. How did the um, what the one championship deal come about then, Sean? Uh, I was just yeah, uh, I was just contacted through social media, and uh, yeah, I just had to redirect them to the boss man, Martin Hargan himself. Yeah, people are not stranger <laughs> to that man. I said, look. I said, this is the man that uh, my life has been put in his hands many times. I said, this is uh, the man to deal with. He knows what's uh, best for me. And he obviously uh, obviously told you to take the opportunity with both hands. (laughs) He rang up the phone and said, sign the contract. Sign the (laughs) contract. Because one championship is like one of the biggest fight organizations in the world at this point, isn't it? Yeah, it's uh, it's actually huge because of the or just the whole worldwide. Uh, it's uh, free to watch, free to download, and it's actually currently taking in 
one and it's on top 10 uh, rankings in sports listings in the world it's, it's higher than UFC and stuff at the moment so yeah it's pretty it's pretty out there alright when it comes to the martial arts world and just the sport world full stop I suppose the fact that they contacted you they've obviously been watching your career I mean like they've obviously been very impressed with what you've done and what you've carved out in Thailand yeah yeah it was, uh, that was that uh, was the nice part about it that I didn't have to go contacting people saying trying to trying to say just just get me an opportunity or uh, just let let them see me or something. It was uh, they contacted me, they approached me, so it was uh, it was a nice honourable feeling that oh, all this hard work is paying off. Like it's not like you're going in like on the undercard of this. You're main eventing in your very first fight. Yeah, it's yeah. a massive honour, like. Uh, straight into main event uh, no better place for me uh, that's where I shine best uh, uh, straight into the best I'm fighting Pong Suri he's four time world champion he's a he's well decorated fighter here in Thailand between the Thailand stadiums he's uh, he's well known for just his style of fighting he's, he's uh, I'd like to say we're kind of similar we were born not afraid of a fight so we all remember that uh, game as kids and Rock'em, Sock'em, Robots, where the two robots uh, punch each other till one head pops. So, yeah, that's that's what the fight is uh, in. That's what I predict is going to happen. Anyway. It's, going, it's going to be exciting anyway. Oh, yeah, I predict that we're just going to stand in the centre of the ring and just see whose head pops. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, you mentioned Martin Horgan. I'd imagine, given the global pandemic, you can't make it over for the fight, can you? Yeah, unfortunately, that's the the first thing he was trying to do. He he was uh, effing and blinding down the phone to me. He was like, I can't get over. I was like, because the country's still on lockdown here. And uh, yeah, uh, there'd be no better feeling than to have him standing beside me in the corner. He's been with me through the whole career. You know, I started with him and that's uh, that's the way it's going to be forever. For John, till the end. So obviously it's disappointing, like as you mentioned, like but I imagine like your team anyway in, in Thailand are, are more than up to the task of cornering it for this. Oh yeah, yeah. Definitely. So what's the what's the plan now for, for the rest of the week? I mean like we're a week out from the fight now, I imagine all the hard training is done at this point, is it? Um yeah, it's not too much done. We're still like you gotta keep the engine pouring over. You can't just put a car in the race and not have it keep pushing on so yeah it's, it's six days of the week training six hours every day it's uh literally wake up at the the sun is just coming up at sunrise and the day just starts running 10 kilometers before training is the warm-up straight into training sparring clinching pad work it's all done every day not for the uh, faint-hearted so no, because uh, this whole pandemic with COVID, uh, tourism and all that kind of is uh, still really restricted here in the country. Mm-hmm. So I've, uh, there's many of the trainers free, I can basically say. So there's just a lot of attention on me. <laughs> so they're making sure that even when they have my minute water break that I don't go over the minute even they're shouting at me like to go again go 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 <laughs> fantastic stuff but, yeah, it's good it's good to be pushed this way what's the prediction so for Friday night Sean excitement everything 
It's uh, for anyone aware of how the Irish fight, we're here for a fight, and that's it, man. I'm not. I'm as another famous Irish man said, we're not coming here to take part, you know. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. That's the best way I can put it. Yeah. yeah. I didn't just come this far in life just to, to show up and go. Hey, I made it this far. No. Yeah. And uh, everyone back home will be supporting you. You'll have half a cork watching the fight on Friday. All the lads from Simon oh, yeah, so I what? hope so, man. Uh, like, I, I've said there many times. I said uh, the support is the fuel that just keeps me burning. And uh, yeah, it's just it's amazing to get it. Uh, it's it's kind of in this, such a sport that we don't get recognised enough. But still, it's nice to see that we're finally getting uh, some bit of attention from the punishment that we do put ourselves through. Well, Mac was like, "You got to get Clancy on Clancy. It's a massive fight. We're all buzzing for it. Like, you no, know, so all the lads are buzzing for it. <laughs> you know, nice one, nice one. Yeah, it's good to see you have the support behind me. Uh, they're all family to me. You know." I call it fight family at the end of the day it's just they're not just friends it's I call it fight family yeah it's the best way to put it and earlier this year as well Sean you got um, an award from the World Boxing Council as well yeah the WBC and uh, they're holding a convention they're supposed to be on this year I think it's on next year now and we have uh, so they're going to be it's going to be the ceremony for the boxing and Thai boxing so we're going to have like Tyson Fury all them many names have been announced that are going to be partaking in the event so pretty surreal that I got nominated and um, I won uh, Fighter of the Year for 2019 so yeah it was, uh, it's very honourable just uh, to be recognised mm. by one of the biggest names in the, the industry mm. everyone knows that the famous green belt so yeah. when, they, when they give you an award it's it's pretty it's big news it's <laughs> and I, I, was, I was honestly I didn't believe it myself for ages yeah fantastic stuff come here Sean um, I'm not going to wish you luck for Friday because you don't need it man but really looking forward man, to watching you perform this, man. yeah you certainly do buddy um, look dude look, looking forward to watching you fight man and get it done alright I appreciate it man appreciate it how cool is that that Sean Clancy from from I spoke to him yesterday 7 in the morning Irish time I was sat at my breakfast table uh, chatting to Sean over Skype uh, over in Thailand he's uh, fighting in one championship one of the biggest organisations in the world fighting Pongsuri this coming Friday night headlining in his first uh, one championship bout absolutely incredible stuff Uh, Sean getting it done on the international stage and fingers crossed he gets it done on Friday night and uh, gets the win Uh, can't wait or Friday Friday afternoon Irish time actually so really looking forward to, uh, to watching Sean this coming Friday uh, still Ireland trailing by a goal to nil against Finland 85 minutes now on the clock is how it stands at the Aviva Stadium alright going to continue to talk football and uh, Ono Callahan. we've had him on this show quite a couple of times the author uh, journalist uh, has uh, written a new book on Roy Keane it's called Keane Oranges uh, it's released uh, through Mercier Press it's available now it's absolutely fantastic it's a look at Roy Keane's early days Everyone knows about Roy Keane's career. Everyone knows uh, about Manchester United, about Nottingham Forest uh, and everything else after that. However, what's often skimmed over is the early stages of Roy Keane's career and this book has certainly uh, plugged that gap and more. So I caught up to chat to uh, Owen uh, about Roy Keane's early days and I spoke to him uh, about the, uh, I suppose, the the urban myth that uh, Roy Keane was incredibly close to signing for Cork City before he ended up at uh, Cove Ramblers. 
before Forrest, though obviously there was Cove Ramblers. Can you talk to us about his signing for Cove Ramblers and how close he was to signing for Cork City before he ended up at Ramblers? <laughs> yes, uh, many myths about writing <laughs> yeah. in Cork, and this is, I think, uh, one of the most famous ones. Yeah. Um, again, like, like on one hand, stuff like this, obviously stuff like this would happen because, like, Again, with the benefit of hindsight, this becomes a massive thing, right? And it really shouldn't be this massive story because, in many respects, right, he should never have graduated to the heights that he did. Um, and but, but it, yeah, it was something in the book that he really tried to get to the bottom of. And again, like at the top of this conversation, you you wish there was some uh, multitude of secrets and lies and backroom dealings um, to the whole thing. And ultimately, it just came down to. You know, the, the guy who actually was in charge of the Cork City registrations, um, you know, maybe for listeners who aren't too familiar with the story, basically, Roy Keane was, was due to sign for Cork City along with Fergus O'Donoghue and Len Downey. Those are the three players that Cork City wanted to sign kind of simultaneously. And for whatever reason, Downey and Fergie Donoghue both signed and Keane wasn't. And he ended up signing for Cove Ramblers. And the, the deal was that the guy whose who's job it was to send the registration slips to Dublin, to the League of Ireland offices, <laughs> he came out and told, told the press afterwards that he wanted to wait until July 1st to send the slip because he felt that it was more professional and business-like. Now, I, 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 yeah, I, I, don't, I don't know. I don't know. Amazing. I don't know how that means yeah. something is more business-like. I'm not sure. But that was the line <laughs> he fed. To the, to the press and, and there's kind of nothing, been nothing else said about it at the time because you know obviously what happened was Cork City didn't know the Cove Ramblers were also interested in signing him so it wasn't a, a big deal until Cove Ramblers register him before Cork City and Cork City have suddenly have this player swept uh, from their grasp um, because you know Cork City a big Premier Division club you know they can kind of take their pick of young players and they're probably in no real rush to get Keane's you know registration through until they get the news um, that, that that Keane is actually signed for a Cove. And, and to be honest, like that story in itself, you know, I think Keane in his own book kind of says, yeah, you know, like, in, you know, I signed for Cove instead and that's the end of the affair. But what actually happened was Cork City were annoyed and miffed enough um, that they they brought a complaint to the league or not to, 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 the, to the actual league itself. And they said, look, we wanted to sign the player, you know, he's our player and, and we had it all engineered and we had it all set up and it actually went to right through to the league offices into February of the next year. So if you think that this was um, the summer of 1989, um, it actually kind of extended as, as a story and as a narrative right through into the spring of, of the following year without, without any sort of um, dramatic U-turn or anything like that. But at that stage, obviously, Keane uh, was well on his way at Cove Ramblers and had accumulated lots of first team um, appearances. And he was, you know, on his fast course and doing very, very well. And in February, you know, the the the, the word from Keane was that, look, I don't want to go anywhere else. I'm very happy at Cove. They've been very good to me. And, and you know, the, the nothing nothing's going to happen in, in terms of me suddenly deciding to, to sign for City. And the, the interesting thing as well is um, you, there's a lot of, in the book, there's a lot of these sliding doors moments um, where like football is such a sensitive thing, like and and for no reason, you know, a, a young mercurial talent can go to a club and get a bad injury, and that's it. You know, at seventeen, you know, and that's it. You get, you know, you come on as a substitute in a game, in a league cup game, and you, you go down with injury after five minutes, and you're out for six months, and you come back as a different manager, and that's the end of you at that club. And it's so 
tenuous and it's and it's such a vulnerable thing and there's there's lots of moments in his book you know where King sort of slots in it, it could have just easily gone in a dramatically different direction for him and you look at Cove and the Cork City thing you, your mind you know in, in terms of this sort of Irish goldfish bowl your mind would obviously go to a Premier Division club um, a, a team that was competing in European competition they were you know you know they were you know top flight they were well known a big draw and you look at Len Downey, who was obviously a, a teammate of, of Roy's from Rockmount. He struggled to make a first team appearance, I think, until the December of that year, having joined City in the summer. So you, you think of even if Keane joined City, um, you know, he would have been a, a young player. The League of Ireland really wasn't the type of environment for teenagers to be given opportunities like that. And, you know, maybe Keane just would have caught a frustrated figure on the sideline and, and not being, uh, not being afforded the chance to step into a first team environment, unlike what happened to him at Cove, where it was a first division sort of situation where there was a little bit more leeway given and he could cut his teeth a little bit more and get some minutes under his belt and actually sort of, you know, immerse himself in a physical demanding uh, environment that, that maybe, you know, that, that sort of level of opportunity may not have felt to him at Cork City. And did he stand out straight away at Cove Ramblers and did he attract attention straight away? Because the other rumour or the other myth, I suppose, I remember from growing up was that Roy Keane used to write to clubs and look for trials. Yeah, like the, the, uh, what I always have said to people throughout this book process is is that um, I guess the book starts off with 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 me painting an image of Roy Keane being from Cork and all of the major decisions within the Irish football community taking place in Dublin, and you know that has certainly improved uh, over the last you know maybe 10 years particularly. But when Keane was growing up, if you were based regionally, you were going to struggle to get people to watch your games. So that meant that you were going to struggle to get people to see you play. And, you know, I I think it's worth remembering that Roy Keane in the spring of 1990, when he's finally spotted by a scout, is not playing in the League of Ireland first division game like he has done for the bulk of that season. He's in Dublin at Fairview Park playing in a Cove Ramblers youth game. Uh, a game that really he shouldn't even be taking part in because normally on a weekend for him, he's in Bally Buffet or he's in Athlone or he's doing the St. Coleman's Park playing, you know, proper first division football in a League of Ireland. There's, he, you know, Eddie O'Rourke was a youth team coach at Cove at the time. He got on really well with Eddie O'Rourke. He liked being part of that youth side. It was an All Ireland competition. It was a quarter final against a big team in Belvedere. And, you know, the first game had ended 1-1. Belvedere scraped a very fortuitous late equaliser after Keane had opened the scoring down in St. Coleman's Park. And it, it, the game went to a replay up in, up in Fairview Park in Dublin on the north side of the city. And that was the game that, that he was spotted in. It wasn't him in, in a regular first division fixture. And, and I think that says a lot about, about Irish domestic football at that particular time, where even though you were with a League of Ireland team, and you were part of their first team and you were you know, performing for them week in, week out, it didn't mean that there were scouts watching you or taking any interest in you. And, you know, like, I, I, you know, one of the, the key figures early on in the book is, is Noel Spillane, you know, and, and he'd put his hand up and say, you know, I was covering League of Ireland every week, you know, and, I, you know, I have to admit that I didn't see it, but it wasn't just me. It was his co- it was his coaches at Cove. It was other people around the game. Like it wasn't, it just, it just, for whatever reason, the, the, the idea of Roy, 
why he was at Cove getting an opportunity cross channel. It just wasn't something that was like, you know, an equation that sort of had a, a you know, a very obvious answer. And, you know, that, that, that day, Belvedere absolutely hockey the Cove U team up in Fairview Park. And, and, you know, I, I talked to Graham Brereton in the book who was part of that Belvedere team that afternoon. And, you know, it's, it's obviously a very cinematic moment. You know, you think of, you know, this spring, a crisp spring afternoon and, they, they, you know, the, the bus takes forever to get up because they're involved in a car accident on the road. And, you know, there's a, you know, a, a, a kickballic scramble in order to get changed and to get stripped for the game. And Belvedere absolutely take them asunder. And Graham Brereton's kind of saying it, obviously this, this big day for Roy Keane and this massive sort of moment in his career. But that day at Cove were absolutely hockeyed. And Graham's is, is saying, talking about the Belvedere midfield that day, you know, these two central midfielders that dominated proceedings, you know, and really, really played their socks off. And he kind of said to me when we spoke, he's like, you know, I always wonder, like, why didn't Noel McCabe, you know, decide that they were good enough to go to Forest? You know, he, he obviously saw something in Keane that day, you know, Cove absolutely being battered. And there's this runt of a litter wearing number 10 on his jersey, who for some reason is, you know, motivated to within an inch of his life to still keep going until the 92nd or 93rd minute. And, you know, the, the, the report that Noel McCabe filed that day is, is fascinating because, um, again, we, we talk about Roy Keane as an all-around footballer and that sort of thing that we want to develop in this book and, and move away from the cliches. And when you look back at Noel McCabe's report that day, the scouting report, it's, it's that all-around approach that made Keane stand out. It's not just McCabe writing about Keane's first touch was immaculate. It's Keane was brilliant in the tackle. Keane's passing was terrific. Keane's heading and his ability in the air was superb. And there was this, there was about six or seven different things that McCabe had spotted. And, you know, again, it, it kind of harks back to, 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 to what, what really first division football in England was about at that time. You know, the game has become so, uh, individualized and so based around specialized roles within a team like this left back can do this very well so we'll base our approach at the back around this player and what he can do coming forward or letting can this fullback be easily inverted and all this sort of stuff and at that time in 1990 it was about seven or eight attributes in your game and that is what set you apart. And I think Keane recognised that early on in terms of his peers and in terms of the people that were around him, be it at Rockmount, be it, you know, guys like Alan O'Sullivan who went over to Luton, who was the best player on that Rockmount team. And he was a winger. But obviously as a winger, you're, you're almost a little bit one-dimensional. You know, you might have a bit of skill, you might have a bit of pace. But if you meet a fullback that bosses you one afternoon, do you have enough in your game to kind of get back in that, to get back in that battle. And so I think Keane could, could pick up on all of these things happening around him in terms of other players and say, right, I need to be great at about six or seven things to make me stand out. If I need, if, if I, if I need to survive in England in the early nineties, and if I have aspirations to play in first division football at the very, very top for the top coaches, I need to have six or seven things in my game that I can just absolutely boss. And, you know, when, when we fast forward in the book to, to Forrest and what set him apart and what all of his teammates at Forrest could see on a training ground, like, that was it. You know, it wasn't just he could run hard or he was a great sprinter. It was just, you know, like he quickly became, as, as Steve Chettle says in the book, Keane quickly became, at the age of 19, 
a game winner for Nottingham Forest because he could score from anywhere. He could pick a pass from anywhere. He could make a last-ditch saving challenge in the 89th minute. He could head one off the goal line. You know, there there were all of these little things that fed into what he was like. And that was at 19. And again, you know, serving the purpose of the book, it's shining a light on this period of his career that I think still is very unheralded and a little bit underappreciated and undervalued uh, when in actual fact, it was such a formative experience for him and particularly working with someone like Clough, particularly working within that environment that Clough had curated at Forest, so crucial and so important to what came after that. That's Ola Callaghan there speaking about his new book, Keen Origins, all on the early days of Roy Keane's career. It's absolutely fantastic fascinating uh, go out and pick that up uh, really 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 good book uh, indeed we're almost out of time before we do time to introduce our newest signing who's been observing the show uh, quietly in the corners our new Big Red Bench presenter Ms Valerie Wheeler Valerie Hello. how are you? I'm great thank you so much for having me Valerie has joined the team here Valerie presenting Saturday's uh, shows uh, starting at next week all set all set now yeah I can't wait to be back in Cork I know I mean like who doesn't want to talk for what they're passionate about most (laughs) for an hour and every Saturday night and the right time to be joining us as well because there's so much sport to cover between now and Christmas because of uh, the Covid situation pushing everything back yeah, no, I'm really looking forward to it. Um, I hope Cork welcome me back with open arms. That's my only thing now, we'll Rory. See. Who knows? Who we'll knows? See. Valerie, it's fantastic having you on board and I wish you the very, very, very best of luck. Thank you. Valerie's first show will be next Saturday from 6pm. You can tune in right then. Our podcast from tonight's show uh, will be available uh, very, very shortly. RedFM.ie. Enjoy the rest of your Sunday evening. And Valerie, we'll speak to you next Saturday. Good luck. The Big Red Bench. Saturday and Sunday from 6 p.m. Cork's Red FM.